The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Tonight, we're going to, and I don't want to scare anybody, we're going to start a a series, a three-week series on the Holy Ghost. And I didn't want to announce it on Sunday for fear some of you might be afraid because there are people that are afraid of any kind of ghost. But I promise you, this is friendlier than Casper. There's nothing like the comfort of the Holy Ghost in your life. Nothing like the peace of God that He can give you by the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, the book says that the only unpardonable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, you can use my name, but don't blaspheme that. Don't, don't, don't talk against the Holy Ghost. And the reason I believe I figured it out why you're not supposed to talk against it is because it's our last ticket out of here. The Father created it all, the Son redeemed it all, and the Holy Ghost emancipates us. And he is in this house tonight. And he's the, la- he's the last train out. And so we're going to honor the Holy Ghost here the next couple of three weeks. And we're going to give God a space in our heart to fill us to the overflowing with his presence and power. There's no better way that I know Wednesday nights can be enjoyed than just talking about the good old spirit of God in our lives. Amen. So turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the preacher tonight. We're going to speak on the Holy Ghost tonight, the presence of God tonight. We're going to talk about the presence of God. You may be seated. If you're a guest, we give you a hand tonight. Thank you for being here. It is quite an honor to see you in God's house. How, how are your life groups going? Everybody doing good? Your life group's doing good. We're doing, uh, we're doing uh, what's it called this month, Reed? No, it's called not scripture life groups, but... Interest-based life groups. You're supposed to have told me that a long time ago. Interest-based. So, how many had Bluebell today? I didn't get one text this whole week of somebody enjoying Bluebell. That's one of my life groups. You don't, you don't, we don't have to meet. Just text me and say, I ate some Bluebell, so it'll give me a liberty to express myself with it also, all right? So this week, I want some people in my life group, Bluebell, my Bluebell life group, okay? You think I'm teasing, but I'm not. Text me. Say, Pastor, I ate some Bluebell. If you eat a, if you eat a new flavor, let me know, and I'll go buy it today, all right? I, uh, I, I just think it's time for me to enjoy the blessings of that ice cream. The psalmist David plainly paints... A portrait of God that puts him always everywhere. I call it the abiding presence of God. David said, if I take the wings of morning, he's there. If I make my bed in hell, he's there. His presence is always everywhere. But in his second Corinthian letter, Paul the apostle proclaims that where the spirit of the Lord is... There's liberty. So is there liberty all around the world? No. But obviously there's a need for interpretation here for some understanding to be given to these infallible words of Scripture. Clearly there's a difference in the general presence of God 
that fills the universe and the manifest presence of God that indwells believers and performs his miraculous work in the midst of humanity. Admittedly, he is everywhere, always, that's abiding, but undeniably, there is a manifest, say manifest, manifest. presence of God that makes a mark, that leaves an impact whenever and wherever it appears. So, there is that presence that broods over the whole earth. Once again, we call it abiding. Say abiding. And then there is that presence that is manifest powerfully in a particular place or on a particular group of people. On the screen, the Bible clearly tells us that every major act or work of God has been marked by a definite moving of the Spirit of God upon someone or something. At creation in Genesis 1, when the void and darkness, and when out of void and darkness, God fashioned this dazzling planet that we live on. According to Genesis 1, the Bible said that the Spirit of, the, of God moved upon the face of the waters. Amen. And at Sinai in Ex- Exodus 19, when God gave Moses those ten laws of life, written on tables of stone with the finger of fire, the Spirit of God moved on that mountain with thunderings and lightnings, and the voice of a trumpet was exceedingly loud. And it was a sight and a sound sufficient to frighten the people in the wilderness. When according to Exodus 40, God's pilgrim people set out to raise him a tent of dwelling in the desert, a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of God filled the tabernacle. Amen? Amen. Then in Luke 1, when God would be made flesh, and the Son of God came to dwell among us, the angel assured Mary that the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. And at Pentecost, the origin of the Christian church in Acts 2, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. That's in your Bible. And in the end time, Joel the prophet foretold that the same Spirit of God would be poured out upon all flesh. I believe, folks, that we are living in the greatest hour that the church or this world has ever known. I know you can look at it from one side and say evil abounds. Just look at Vegas. Earthquakes are everywhere. Just look at them. You can't hardly count them. Hurricanes are blowing. Wildfires in, 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 in California. Things are going crazy. Things are going bump in the night. But what a time for the Lord to say, in the last days, I'm going to pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. There's a difference in pouring and pouring it out because when you pour it out, he's going to give us even the grounds, the things that just made the flavor right. I believe that the greatest event that the church has ever known in its existence is about to happen when the baptism of the Holy Spirit starts falling on these churches in abundance. Amen. When literally millions will accept the Holy Ghost baptism as indeed millions have now done. The Wall Street Journal a couple of years ago noted that there's probably over 700 million Holy Ghost filled people in the world. And according to them, not known for exaggerated religious claims, 2 billion will be filled with the Spirit by the year 2050. That's a long time away. I'm going to say 2025 because the Holy Ghost is coming. But even in the face of these facts, there remains those who See this spirit baptism, this Holy Ghost infilling, in a very tame context. It's nice, Pastor, but it's not necessary. 
imagining that they can perhaps be touched by the Spirit or maybe even blessed barely, but feigning Him, the Holy Ghost, to be something or someone much less than He really, really is. Because what the Holy Ghost really is, are you ready for this? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Nothing more because nothing more is needed. Nothing less because nothing less will do. It is an hour and a day when we in a spirit-filled, spirit-driven, spirit-led church needs to understand that people are going to be walking in this place right and left because the third member of this whole thing, the Holy Ghost, that is moving and active in the world today is not going to walk out of here silently. He's going to make a noise before this thing is over. And I want to be in the middle of a church where that noise is made. Amen? I want the presence of God to abide here, but I want it to be manifest here. And I want people to get healed in this house. And I want people to get delivered in this house. And I want people to be filled in this house. And I want lives to be changed in this house. Not just feigning Him, but receiving what He has for us in this hour. Would you clap your hands and rejoice? I believe that what made that first church such a force in that secular, anti-God, Christ-rejecting, Greco-Roman world into which it was born was the empowering presence of the old-fashioned Holy Ghost that was upon them, sufficiently upon them to make them a radical alternative to the rest of their culture. In the lines of distinction between believer and non-believer, I loved when I wrote this. I enjoyed writing this, folks. I really did. In the lines of distinction between believer and non-believer were not blurred. The difference between the converted and the unconverted was clear. I believe they wonderfully understood, completely apprehended, and fully embraced what it meant to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The place given and the power imparted by the Holy Ghost in their lives was supremely significant. Unlike many so-called spirit-filled today, the Holy Ghost in them was not just a marginal influence in their lives. He was a compelling and controlling force, insomuch that Paul even warned them to beware of those to whom the Holy Ghost was just a form, but not a force. He called it having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. He warned from such, turn away, and don't be a part of that. I have come to interest you in that force, that indwelling presence of Jesus Christ that will not only arrest you, but it will change you, and it will rearrange the furniture in your house. Amen. <laughs> There's a power called the Holy Ghost that needs to get on all of us. And you're going to hear it the next three weeks in this house. I'm just introducing it tonight. It's like a meteorite smashing into the crust of the earth. When this overwhelming, transforming presence of Christ comes, there will be a result, an imprint. Everything will be altered. Ezekiel said in 36, a new heart will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And if that hasn't happened yet, if that you have not experienced that yet, don't be deceived into embracing a diminished concept of the power that the Lord has for you. Just go back and really get it, Christ in you. For if any man be in Christ... And Christ being him, he's a new creature and all things are passed away. And behold, all things are made new. New. I remember. (laughs) I remember when I received the Holy Spirit as a child. 
I got it when I was nine years old and it stuck. I had the ugliest Sunday school teacher in the history of Sunday school. (laughs) We hated to go to Sunday school class because she was so horrible to look at. She was ugly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There are just some people that just don't look in the mirror and see beauty. And the older I get, the more I'm one of them. But I will declare the night that I received the grace of God in my life and the Holy Ghost came in, I looked up and the first person I saw was that little lady that had helped me through to Christ in my life. And she was looking like an angel. And I was a little old boy and I went up to her and I hugged her and I kissed her. And she kissed me back and I didn't turn into a frog. There's something about this Holy Ghost. There is a change. More than a mind change. But an experience of power that will unmistakably alter our lives. See the presence of God that was in Eden with Adam. And at a burning bush with Moses. And filled the tabernacle like a cloud. And led Israel with a fiery pillar. And enveloped Solomon's temple so much that the ministers couldn't even minister. And dwelt in Christ Jesus. That presence comes to dwell within us, and that's a presence of power and performance. In the baptism of the Holy Ghost, heaven has invaded earth, not in a spatial sense as a place, but in a spiritual sense as a power. Heaven, as in that awaits the redeemed, has come to us on earth in time in the Holy Ghost. It's heaven on earth because it came from above. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of righteousness, a light in whom is no variable nor nor shadow of turning. According to Hebrews 6, we have tasted of the powers of the world to come when the Holy Ghost comes in. And we are new creatures, according to 2 Corinthians, in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away, and all things are become new. We're born again, not of this world, but from above. Clap your hands and rejoice to that. That's what the Holy Spirit is. Now, I'm laying this foundation because I'm going to preach in just a little bit. Stay with me. Having earth about us, but heaven within us. Redeemed spirits, but in bodies held in bondage of corruption. Something marvelous, even miraculous is happening in the world today. We're living in the present, but we're being stamped by the future. We're living in a temporal world but receiving eternality in our lives. We're tethered to this earth, but we're possessed by heaven. And one day the power that raised him from the dead will be like a magnet on this earth. And the tether that holds us down will not be able to hold us any longer. Because we're going to all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And we shall be caught up to meet him in the air. And we're going to forever be with the Lord. So that's why here we are called pilgrims and strangers. Citizens of earth. But having our citizenship in heaven. This Holy Ghost baptism folks is more than just a mere change of mind. Although it will change your mind. You'll see things differently. It's more than just turning over a new leaf. It's more than just deciding to do better. And you've got to do that. You have to do that. That comes in the repentant form of your life. Or the or the confessing form of your life. You've got to say, Lord, I'm tired of this life. I am tired of the life I'm living. I talked about it on Sunday. I'm ready to turn my life around. 
And when you establish that and know that you're headed in another direction, there is a power that will come to accompany you. It's not the decision maker. It helps you continue in the decision that you've already made. The Holy Ghost will give you strength. It'll give you power. It'll give you comfort. It'll be your rest. It'll be the thing that'll help you through every trial in life. Because there's nothing like being baptized with the Holy Spirit in your life in this world today. Would you clap your hands and rejoice? Paul said, We are those upon whom the ends of the ages have come. That which will mark the age in when Christ is king has come upon us. We can be empowered by the Holy Ghost to live the life of the future right now. And if we allow it, if we allow the Holy Ghost to be a part of our life, we can be above the level of life that is about us. And we have the power to emulate the world that is above us. To be in the world but not of it. Guarded and guided by the Holy Ghost. The church I'm going to preach a little now. This church, this church can be a miniature model of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. Isaiah chapter 11 talks about the millennial reign. A place where the rules of the world are suspended. Where God reigns. I want to talk about the reigning God. God does not have a lot to do with what's going on out there. I know he gets blamed a lot. But God gets all the credit for what's going on in here. When you walk through the doors of a spirit-filled church, things can change in a moment. Things can turn your life around that quick. I have seen people who were, who were holding dead babies in their body, babies be resurrected and be full-born. I have seen people who have been suffering from heart disease be healed by the power of God. I have seen alcoholics hang up the bottle and walk out of here sober and never touch it again by the power of God. Because when you walk out of that world where evil wants to reign and you walk in this house where God reigns, it's all of a sudden the rules are suspended out there and they're placed in order here. Because that's the kind of Savior we have in our world. And somebody has still got to preach that there is a God that is greater than any evil out there. And there's a power in this house and there's a power in our lives that's stronger than anything that hell has got to throw against us. Can I preach to you tonight? Can I preach to you tonight? Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. The second thing where the rules are suspended, God reigns, and Satan is bound. <laughs> I want to tell you something, folks. Hell don't like these kind of churches. We scare him. When the enemy comes in, it's not punctuated the way some people read it. But when the enemy comes in, the Bible said like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. You know why the Lord is like a flood against him? Because the devil hates water. He hates water. He was drowned in the Red Sea. He was drowned in the flood. <laughs> he was put away. The devil hates water. And I'm going to tell you something. Somebody said, Pastor, you know I'm out here in this sea, and I don't even know if the Lord knows where I'm at. I think I might drown. 
No, you're not going to drown. But I tell you what, I ought to give you cheer here. The enemy can't swim where you are. You might be in a sea, you might be in trouble, but the enemy don't know how to get to you because he don't know how to swim. He don't know how to take care. Those pigs were drowned in the water when the enemy came in in Mark chapter 5 and was cast out of the demoniac. I'm here to tell you something. There's something about the presence of God and the power of God and the reign of the Holy Ghost that does something to the enemy that he can't counterattack. He may work with you out there. That's why you need to be in the house of God. That's why you need to be on Wednesday night church. And that's why you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost in your life. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost in your life. Somebody clap your hands and say, fill me up, Lord. Just fill me up. Just fill me up. Fill me up. And the third thing where the rules, peace prevails in the house of God. Peace prevails. I've been pastoring this church for going on 28 years, and we started in a little away frame building over here. But one thing has always happened in this church, peace of God has reigned in this house. And you know why? Because the Holy Ghost suspends all the rules out there. When you walk in here, there's a peace of God that passes understanding. Look at your neighbor and smile because you know you feel it right now. It's an awesome thing to know that God's peace is in his house. Come on. The peace of God is in his house. The peace of God is in his house. And the lamb and the lion lie down together. Hallelujah. By the enablement of the Holy Ghost, things thought impossible, things in fact that are truly impossible, come to pass here in the house. Because God can make the impossible possible. In a house baptized with his Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit. So every Sunday and every Wednesday... We're going to magnify the name of the Lord. We're going to thank Him for the creation. We're going to thank Him for redemption. But we're going to celebrate the Holy Ghost in this house. Because the Spirit of God reigns. Come on, the Spirit of God reigns. The Spirit of God reigns in His house. Wow. The presence of God. Remembers one of another, Romans 12, who build up one another, Romans 14, who care for one another, 1 Corinthians 12, who love one another, 1 Thessalonians 3, who pursue one another's good, 1 Thessalonians 5, who bear one another's burden, Galatians 6, who are kind, compassionate, forgiven, Ephesians chapter 4. We're called to submit to one another, Ephesians 5. Consider one another, Philippians 2. Be devoted to one another, Romans 12, all of which will allow us to live in harmony with one another, Romans 12. In the flesh, that's not only impossible, improbable, it's impossible. But in the spirit, it's modeled by many every day. There's not a person that walks in this door on Wednesday night or Sunday morning that I can't truly hug and say I truly love these people. And, and that cannot be done in the flesh. That's done by the Holy Ghost. That's done by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to go ahead and just step out and say it. There's no racism in this church. That ain't happening. And there's no high and there's no low in this church. Everybody's covered by the same blood. Somebody asked me one time, said, do you have all colors in your church? I said, no, I don't. All my people are the same color. I said, what? I said, they're all red. They're covered by the blood of Jesus. Somebody needs to help me preach right now. That happens in a Holy Ghost church. 
Nobody looks down on anybody. Nobody looks around somebody. Nobody tries to avoid anybody. Because when the Spirit of the Lord is there, there's freedom, there's love, there's liberty, there's joy. That's unspeakable and full of glory. And I'm about to get excited preaching this gospel right now. Because there's nothing greater than a Holy Ghost church. You want to get on your feet and clap your hands? Go ahead. I'll let you have it. There's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. Nothing greater. Nothing greater. Nothing greater than a Holy Ghost church. Nothing greater than a Holy Ghost church. Hallelujah. From beginning... God was present in the garden to the end when he's present in glory. It's all about presence, presence, presence. Israel understood themselves to be people of the presence. Say presence. That's why they carried an ark of the covenant with them. It was about his presence. It wasn't just about people of Elohim or people of Jehovah. It wasn't about that. It was the fact that the presence of God was with them. It wasn't just about circumcision and food laws and Sabbath observances and ordinances and sacrifices and such. They knew it was simply the presence of God. And when Moses came down off the summit of Sinai and found the people dancing naked before a golden calf, calling it their God, the Lord said, I'm going to go old English here, okay? He said, go up hence. Thou and the people thou hast brought out of Egypt unto the land which I swear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying unto thy seed, I, uh, thy seed will I give it. So God said, I made a promise to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob. I'm going to give them a land. But watch this. Then he said, I will send an angel before you. For I will not go up in the midst of you, for you're a stiff-necked people, lest I consume you in the way. I'm going to send somebody else. I'm pulling the plug on my presence. I'm going to pull the plug. I'm not going with you. I want to stop and say, I don't ever want God to pull the plug. On this church. When I'm dead and gone, I don't know if I get to visit you all again or not. I don't know how it's going to be. But when I'm dead, I'm gonna, if I can, I'm going to come back and check on you. I don't know how it's going to be because I've never been there. But I will tell you this. This church has got to be alive with the presence of God. Until he calls us home. I don't want Christian Life Church to go out with a limp. I want it to go out with a leap. I want this church to be strong in the Lord. Because the closer we get to him, the more we're going to look like him. For we shall see him as he is. And there's something powerful about that. God was pulling the plug on his presence. He said, I promise the land and I'm going to give it to you, but I won't go with you. But Moses and the two and a half million knew the difference. And notwithstanding all the other misdeeds that they had done, they knew they could not go without his presence. So Moses cried out. He got serious. He said, if your, go not, if your presence go not with us, 
carry me not up hence. I don't know what that word means, hence. In other words, God, forget the promise of the land that you are going to give us. Forget that promise. For how shall it be known that I and your people have found grace in your sight? The fact lies only in that you go with us. It's not about where we're going. It's about who's going with us. And so the reason that I'm starting this series on this Wednesday night is to let you know. I know if his presence goes with us, we're going to wind up in the right place someday. Moses knew the difference in the Hebrew people and any other people. It was the presence of God, and it still is now. One of the distinguishing factors, the distinctives that define us is the pure presence of the Almighty God in our midst. And I love the fact that it's not, it's not promoted here. It's not something that's worked up. This church has always been hungry for the Word, and you love the Word, and, and you responded to the Word again tonight. But I love the way you worship with the music. I love the way that you go to prayer, and I love the way that you sing songs of Israel and Zion. I love it. I love the way it happens. It's not something that's pumped up. There's nobody up here cheerleading you on. It's just the songs of the Lord. It's just the Word of God. And it's just pure hearts full of the Spirit of God that said we're going to magnify Him. And I think that that's important because people have seen the fake too much. There's nothing like the anointing that's authentic. There's nothing like authentic anointing. And I believe that God has placed something on this church a long time ago that everybody that's walked in has helped us create even more of that anointing. Because God is with Christian Life Church. And we're going somewhere with the Holy Ghost. Amen. We're going somewhere with the Holy Ghost. Let me, let me, let me conclude. Let me conclude. I'm not long-winded. I don't think. Yeah. If we pursue the impermanent goals of this world with the same gusto as the unconverted... If we are as fascinated with this world as others above, about us, and if we're content to entertain ourselves with its evil, then we've missed it. The presence is given to empower us to live the life of God among men, to live the life of eternity in time, and to live the life of the future right now. Isaiah wrote it this way. He said, precept shall be upon precept, and line upon line, and here a little and there a little, for with a stammering lip, and another tongue will I speak to this people. And this is the rest wherewith ye shall cause the weary to rest. Hallelujah. John the Baptist, according to all four Gospels, proclaimed, I indeed baptize you with water of repentance. But he that comes after me is mightier than me. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Jesus Christ himself foretold, he said, if any man thirst." Let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers. Of living water. And this spake he of the Spirit, which was not yet given, because he had not yet been glorified. Behold, he said, I send the promise of the Father upon you. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And tarry they did. And tarry they did.
I love to preach about this. I love to preach about the impartation of the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts. Some people don't know there is a book of Acts, but there is. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John are great, great gospels, but the book of Acts is the foundation of the church. And I love to preach the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost fell. And, and can you imagine, can you imagine Satan and his imps trying to stop the Holy Ghost from falling? Can you imagine how they were? We got a problem. We got a problem. Somebody's got to get up there. They're tarrying. We got to stop that tarrying. We got to stop it. Well, the Lord stopped it one day between 7 and 10. Whatever you want to preach and believe, that's your business. But they did get the Holy Ghost one day. Acts chapter 2, the rushing mighty wind came. Tongues of fire fell upon all of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Let's get the elephant out of the room. Tongue talking is not of the devil. The Spirit of God can come on you. So, so, then Philip goes down to Samaria. And he gets down there and he sees these people that are hungry for God. And he preaches Christ to them and he starts baptizing the whole city. He's baptized the whole town. Said, hey, you want to be baptized? Come on, let's go. He's baptized. They just played music, and he baptized all day, every day for about three weeks. And Simon the sorcerer got baptized, and he started following Philip around because he realized that Philip had something, and the words that he spoke were powerful and real. And then they called for Peter and John to come down, and Peter and John come down, and Satan was following and saying, i got to stop that tarrying. i got to stop that tarrying. They're going to try to get him to tarry. And all of a sudden, Pete and John just walked up and laid hands on them. They got the Holy Ghost. He said, oh, my God, they're going to lay hands on them now and get the Holy Ghost. It's not what is done. It's what happens when a hungry heart reaches out. God will fill you. Some of you may be filled tonight going home from church, driving down the road and singing, I got the Holy Ghost. You may have to pull over and just have yourself a time in the Lord. Somebody said, Pastor, that happened back in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, it can still happen in the, in the 2000s, too. The Holy Ghost is still as real now as it ever was. And so Acts chapter 10 comes, and Peter's on top of a house in Joppa, and he gets this vision. The sheets drop down, and he said, Pete, I want you to rise, lay, and eat. He said, I don't eat that. It's unclean. And the Lord said, what I've cleansed, don't call common. And after the sheep came down the third time, he woke up, and he realized that God was leading him somewhere. So he went down to Cornelius' house where the Gentiles were, and the enemy followed. You know how the enemy does. He's going to try to douse it. He said, okay, i got to stop the tarrying. I've got to stop the laying on of hands. I'm going to get them this time. They're not going to get the Holy Spirit. They're not going to be baptized. And the Bible said, while Peter yet spake the word, <laughs> the Holy Ghost fell on the whole house, and the devil went running again. Because it's not about tarrying, it's not about laying on of hands, it's not about preaching. It's about a hungry heart that's ready to receive the presence of God. And then when Paul went by the upper coast of Ephesus in Acts chapter 19 and found certain disciples of John who were believers and disciples, he asked this question, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we haven't heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Isn't it amazing how the Holy Ghost has to fade out in churches when it ought to be stronger than ever in churches today? I don't hope I'm not offending anybody because I'm not preaching this with emotion. I'm just telling you the facts. This is factual. And the enemy sitting right there said, okay, I've got to stop the tarrying. I've got to stop the laying on of hands. I've got to stop the preaching. What can I stop? How can I stop this Holy Ghost from falling on these believers? And 
Paul baptized them when they came out of the water. They received the Holy Ghost. And hell just gave up. Because there's nothing hell can do about this Holy Ghost. Because it's not from hell. It is from heaven. Those people in Jerusalem said, what, what meaneth this? All this, they were from 17 nations. I said, what meaneth all this peace? People receiving the, these tongues like this. What is all of this? They're, un, they're un, un, unlearned Galileans. They're, they're the simpletons of life. What is all of this? And Peter said, this is that that was prophesied. By the prophet Joel, then the last day says, God, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And they really believed that the Holy Ghost in their age was the last days. But I preach to you tonight, we're living in the last of the last days. And you might as well get ready. We're not going to go crazy around here. But the Holy Ghost is going to be baptizing people in this house. Come on. Amen. Amen. It's not going to be Hollywooded. It's not going to be Hollywood. It's not going to be stupid. It's just going to be real. The Holy Ghost is going to baptize people in this house. And we're going to see the grace and the glory of God. You know, years ago I met Robert Duvall before he made the, the movie The Apostle. Randy, if you'll help me out, I'd appreciate it. And we talked for three hours in the Stonely Hotel in Dallas, Texas in 1985. He had just won an Oscar for Tender Mercies about a country singer that was overcoming alcoholism. And I got to meet Mr. Duvall, and it was pretty neat. And he, he knew, he knew, when I, when I walked away from the front desk, the woman said, Sir, you knew that man is over there in that, ho- in that, in that lobby? And I said, Yes, yeah, Robert Duvall. She said, Would you mind getting an, an autograph for him? He said, Because he don't, he don't talk to women. And I thought, Well, I like that. That's good. He's not going to have his wife here. He's not going to flirt with everybody. That's good. So I go over to him, and I said, Mr. Duvall, I, I, and I knew I had a, an inroad with him because he had gone to one of my friend's churches who was a spirit-filled church in Brownwood, Texas, looking for a place to film this thing called the Apostle. <laughs> so I walked over to him, and this is funny. I've told you here before, but this is funny. So I walk up, and I said, Mr. Duvall, he said, stop. He said, me and this guy, he had a guy who said, we've, we've got to wager a $10 bet on who you are and what you are. He said, he says you're an auctioneer, and I say you're a preacher. What are you? <laughs> I said, Mr. Duvall, I'm a preacher. He said, give me that $10. He said, it's so sweet. And for the next three hours, he begged me. And I'm I'm not anybody, but he begged me to be in his movie. Because he realized that I was baptized. He said, you preach in a church like that Brownwood church? I said, I do. He said, that's fire and brimstone preaching. I said, no, sir, it's not fire and brimstone. It's called the anointing. He said, well, whatever it is, it's good. And when I would start to walk away, he would grab me and say, one more question. He was the movie star, and I was the preacher. But he didn't want me to leave. And if Misty hadn't got upset, she's 10 years old and was there for a deposition. If she hadn't got upset, I still hadn't got over the fact that she wanted to go to the room. She works for me now, and I still fuss about her, about it to her. But there's no telling what could have happened in that hotel lobby. 
of all grabbed me. He said, preacher, whatever you do, whatever you do, he said, don't stop preaching the way you preach. And don't stop talking to young people the way you do because your churches where you preach have what this world needs and God is going to use you. And I felt like I was getting prophesied to by a movie star. God's going to use you for a long, long time to preach this gospel to people that need it. And he said, would you pray with me? And I took him by the hands and we prayed for the move of the apostle. I don't know if I've ever prayed about a movie in my life. We prayed about it. And he said, one last time, would you be in it? And I said, no, sir. But for two hours, he asked me to teach him how to preach. He said, I, he said, I, want, I, want, to, I want people to feel that Holy Spirit coming out of me like it is coming out of you. And I said, Mr. Duvall, go find you a place. Go get out. I said, go out there and find you an old stump somewhere in the woods. And kneel down, get away from everybody, and just ask God to fill you. He'll fill you, sir. He's no respecter of person. He'll fill you. It's been a great desire of mine. A great desire of mine to get back in touch with him. He's in his 80s now. And I reached out about two years ago to the studio that he works out of or to the office he works out of. And I got a hold of his secretary and got a hold of people. And, and I said, I'd like to come out and see Mr. Duvall. And they said, well, who are you? And I told him who I was. I said, you, you don't need to call me. I'm not worried about him calling me. But I, I'd like to go see him. He said, sir, he, he's the kind of person that you know, if you know him, that he'd, he'd receive you. And I, I, and, and I preach about him tonight. I didn't know I was going to talk about him at the end of the service, but I preach about him tonight. I thought, wow, wouldn't it be neat if before the Lord called him home, if he hadn't been filled with the Spirit, that I could go out there and find his little studio and find the place where he works and walk in and hug him real big and just say, Mr. Duvall, I've come to see you filled with the Spirit of God in your life be neat I think I could handle it now I don't think it would make me feel like I was Superman I think it made me feel like that God still talked to me in this hour I believe everybody needs to be baptized with the Holy Ghost come on I believe everybody needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost I believe it's important to understand what I'm something that matters in your future. The Holy Ghost is for everybody. The Holy Ghost is for everybody. Would you stand, your wonderful people? Won't you lift your hands all over the house now, tonight? Lift your hands. Amen. I want to, I want to tell you that next Wednesday night, next Wednesday night, I have asked a very special man that is used in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit to come and be with us next Wednesday night. I did it
be a vessel. Fill me full of the Holy Ghost. May the presence of God abide, abound, and lead me in the path of righteousness. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now clap your hands real big. Clap your hands real big. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If, you're, if you need healing, raise your hand. Dear Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for healing right now in this church. May the healer walk in this house and may healing abound and abide in people's hearts and lives. Send healing in Jesus' name. May the power and the presence of God be a part of this service right now. In the name of the Lord, let it happen. Heal with your stripes in Jesus' name. Put your hands down. You that need a deliverance from something, raise your hand. Nobody looking. Dear Father, deliver, set free, make the captive free right now. Whatever is binding, whatever is holding, whatever is holding someone back from the goodness and the grace of God, would you release them right now? Would you set them free right now? Would you let them go free right now? In Jesus' name. Set them free in the name of the Lord. Set them free in the name of the Lord. Somebody having fear in your life, raise your hand, dear Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fear hath torment, but perfect love cast out fear. In Jesus' name, let us fall in love with you and who you are. And may the glory of the Lord be a part of our lives here tonight. And may the peace of God guide our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Raise your hands in closing now. Dear Lord, I bless you tonight and I thank you for these wonderful, wonderful people. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the Holy Ghost, the presence of God. Thank you for that. Thank you because you have allowed him to be in our lives tonight. When the spirit of truth has come, he will lead and guide us into all truth. Lord, he's guiding. He's helping us. God, let us be tender with people. Let us not judge people. Let us not hold people at ransom that have not been overflowed with the Holy Spirit. But let it happen in our church, God. There's got to be churches in America where the Holy Ghost still moves and the presence of God is still felt and people are still filled with your presence. Let Christian Life Church be a place just like that. Now bring us back Sunday, Lord, for the third session in the Four Cups talk about freedom on Sunday. We're going to talk about freedom, Lord, because you can give us freedom like nobody else can ever give us. And you're going to set some people free here on Sunday. In Jesus' name, bring us back next Wednesday night. Hallelujah to another Holy Ghost night. In the name